This is the PR Pod, the podcast that brings you expert tips for working in PR and finding your niche. With your host, Brooke Burns. This episode, I'm joined by Karina Durham. Karina is the general manager at Palin Communications, an agency specializing in health PR. Karina's been with Palin for 14 years and is joining me to shed some light on health PR as a sector. Welcome to the PR Pod. Thank you for having me. So you started at Palin 14 years ago as an account executive and you've moved through potentially every job in an agency up to general manager, um, which I think is a real testament to who you are as an employee, but also to the company that you work for. Obviously, it's a really great place to work. What is it about Palin that has kept you committed to them for so long? Thank you. I know it's completely unheard of in agency land, pretty rare. <laughs> this type of longevity, but certainly um, the, the company is amazing and I continue to be challenged every single day, not only with the people that I work with, but just the subject matter and the projects that we have. And um, it, it's, it's a fantastic feeling to be the first general manager of the agency's history, which is a, a pretty awesome privilege to have. And yeah, I, I, I just really put it down to the agency having very much the same values that align with my own professional values. Mm-hmm. And I often do find if people move on a little bit in agency world, um, they're, they're not feeling challenged or they're really just looking for something different. And I'm just very lucky that in the health space, there's just never a dull moment and just some of the work that comes our way is absolutely mind-blowing. So for me, the early part of my career at Palin was very much adding value to our clients and our projects, but now I'm actually helping to shape the agency for the future. So going back to how you got into um, PR, so you studied a Bachelor of Communication, Public Relations and Journalism, correct? Correct. Do you recall which units you really enjoyed at the university? Or was that just a kind of a, f- a foggy mess? <laughs> <laughs> so um, I actually have two degrees, which is oh. awesome for my two passions. So my communications degree, which I did at Western Sydney University. Mm-hmm. And from memory, I absolutely loved all the practical elements of that. So I did a unit where I could actually prepare stories for the local radio station and really having that process of ideation all the way through to recording and helping with the broadcast of that was just such a thrill and really gave me an early sense of the importance of storytelling and dealing with people from the general public. Um, My second degree, which I actually embarked on actually in my career was um, a health science degree. So I'm actually a university qualified nutritionist now. Wow. So that essentially just shows my, my passions there. Out of school, I was either going to go down the medical path or the communications path. So I'm just so thrilled that I've been able to study both. And But for, for my science degree, certainly anatomy and physiology is just awesome. I absolutely loved that. But also the public health and the community health units as well um, that I studied at Charles Sturt University um, were, were fantastic. And, and it also gave me a fantastic sense of studying in regional Australia as well, because I was based in Wagga Wagga back and forth from Sydney for six years. Oh, wow. So you were obviously still working at Palin at that time. So yeah. you kind of were working remotely at that point, or were you doing part-time or how did you manage doing a, a whole second degree? Oh, I actually studied and worked full-time for six oh my years. Gosh. It's You're total- crazy. <laughs> it's totally possible if you really like what you're doing yeah. at uni, you will, you will 100% make it work. If you mm-hmm. feel that you are going back to study because it's forced upon you, you feel like you have to do a master's or some postgraduate study, but you're not, your heart's not in it, you're not going to get through it. So I guess that's another reason why Palin is such a fantastic agency because they actually allowed me to study 
as well as work full time because they saw the value of all of this coming back into the agency and the work that we do. So um, it was a very tough six years trying to juggle everything, but um, certainly my skills really kicked in um, when I had to do assessments that related to public health and community health and really trying to link really quite complicated scientific information and really trying to demonstrate how it actually affects the general public and everyday Australians. Yeah, absolutely. So just to backtrack a little bit, you once you finished your initial degree in communications, you worked for a year or two as an account coordinator and account executive yes. before you moved to Palin. Was it did you identify at that time that you wanted to work in health? Was it just a case of that's where you happened to get a job and it developed from that? How did that come about? Yeah, so um, during uni, like throughout my final year of uni for my communications degree, I just wanted to experience as much as I could. And, and at that time, the multi big multinational agencies were really the ones that were providing much more of the opportunities to do internships. So I did internships with, with big multinational agencies and it was very consumer focused. So working in tech, gaming, beauty products, um, mobile um, networks and things like that, which was all an amazing experience. And I was the one packing the bags and getting people ready for events and a lot of hands on things and media follow-up and trying to get product placements and all that fun work. And I also had an opportunity to um, work in event management as well, but for the advertising and communications industry. So we did a lot of award nights and, and things like that. So I learned very early on that, yes, there are some incredible skills that I've gained through this process, but I kind of want more. And, um, I, I wanted to work on something within the PR industry that had more substance to it. And, and certainly, um, in the, in the consumer space, there are people that are absolutely going to thrive in that, in that sector. But for me, I already had inklings that I wanted to explore other areas. So, and, and again, that passion that I had for medicine was kind of niggling in the back of my head. And when Palin were um, advertising for a position, I just thought, why not? Let's give it a go. And I think it's important to note that I actually didn't have any health experience. So for people who are emerging or coming into the industry, please don't think that your previous experience in health is going to get you through the door. You just have to demonstrate some form of interest in the industry. And that's all you need, really. And I think one of the, you know, the core points you've just raised is the importance of doing lots of internships because it helps clarify what you do enjoy and maybe where you don't want to go. And for you, you kind of realize, well, I don't really want to sit in that consumer field because I'm not getting um, uh, good feels from it that I that I really want from it. And, and for others, they go, oh, my gosh, I've done two internships and the second one was amazing and I really love beauty or television or, or tech or whatever it may be. So how many internships did you do? Do you remember? Oh, I did a few um, in boutique and in multinational agencies in that final year of uni. And I tried to get as much, and, and a lot of it was in the consumer space. And I tried to get as much experience as possible so I could form a view. And actually throughout uni, I thought that I was going to go into consumer PR because that's sort of what everyone talks about, the glamorous side of PR. And when you sort of get into the nitty gritty in the day to day, you get a, a greater sense of the clients you're representing and the type of work that you're doing. And again, people thrive in those types of situations and those in that type of work. But for me, um, it just sort of cemented my vision to specialize in a particular area. I think it also comes down to, um, 
in terms of the sector that you may end up in is where you live and what your goals are in terms of traveling and working. And I know, you know, I studied in Perth in Western Australia, um, which is a, a very small city in comparison to many other cities around the world. We didn't have lots of major PR agencies, so everything was more boutique or it was in-house. And if your goals were to eventually to have a family and to stay living in Perth or nearby Perth, because that's where your family were and that was going to be important to you, then you obviously, you only had a certain number of jobs to choose from. Whereas for me, I always knew I was going to travel. I always intended on moving to London as soon as I possibly could. So television, which is what I started in, ticked all my boxes at the start. It's being mm. fun and interesting and I could do it anywhere around the world. And, um, so for me, that meant the doors were, uh, you know, a little bit broader. Yeah, absolutely. But that's something to consider as well. You know, it's all good and well that you might want to work in television, but if you don't want to leave your little town or little city and there's no television opportunities, then you've got to, I think, think a little bit broader. Absolutely. And I think the if you can adopt broader thinking right when from when you're in university all the way through to trying to figure out what your first um, position in for full-time employment is going to be, I think broadening your experience and trying not to pigeonhole yourself too early in the piece I think is so important because you're so young when you're coming out of university you you cannot be expected to understand fully this is exactly what I'm going to do for the majority of my career and I'm so grateful for my experience in consumer PR and also events management because out of anything for example my gosh time time management for events is absolutely everything and hitting the ground running and being very process focused and tick boxes and, and all of that kicks in in my day-to-day job and that I wouldn't have had that if I hadn't have thrown myself into event management and different types of experience. Mm. So what is it about health PR that you really enjoyed when you first entered the industry and what is it you love about it now? Has that changed at all or are, are the reasons still the same? Oh, I absolutely love the <laughs> I adore it. And Karina is smiling like a Cheshire cat here, so this is very genuine. <laughs> yes, um, I absolutely adore the health PR industry. For me, it truly embodies the power of storytelling. And for us, we're just trying to do good and we're just trying to help our clients put really important health messages out there into the community. And this year being a very funny COVID year, we've had quite an important role in helping clients get very important COVID specific messages out to the community. So I do feel sometimes people pigeonhole what health PR is. And um, certainly we do have a lot of work, for example, in the pharmaceutical space and very medicines focused, but we also do a whole raft of work that's very CSR related. and And what is CSR for those that don't know? So it's corporate social responsibility. So it's essentially all the activities and initiatives that corporate organisations do to um, improve community outcomes and and health outcomes and whatnot. So we have a lot of clients that um, are involved in in research projects and and helping with public health initiatives and, and things like that. And a lot of these are pharmaceutical companies and Um, sometimes they can get a bad rap in media but I think a lot of the time when we're not focusing on launching new medicines and therapies into the market we are certainly helping in these other areas like for example I'm part of a huge global cancer project that spans across 14 countries and Australia is doing some pretty amazing research behind the scenes to really improve the outcomes for cancer patients in Australia so and, and that all stems from our all our work with pharmaceutical companies who are able to fund these incredible projects. Very meaningful work. Absolutely. 
And, and for me, health PR really does connect you with the people that are going to benefit from what you're launching or what your client is all about. So a lot of the work that we do is we help our clients launch new medicines or therapies into Australia. So we do a lot in the oncology space. So all the work that we do behind the scenes and our conversations that we have with health professionals and clinicians and even everyday Australians who are actually dealing with these very complex health conditions, we are all working together. So someone who's sitting at home watching evening news or picking up the paper is reading about a new therapy or a medicine that's out there that could potentially help them. So it, it is very rewarding and it's, it is very focused on storytelling. And that's what I love about it. I imagine it might be similar to hospitality, which is the sector that I'm in, in that there is constantly new businesses because people, I imagine, are trying to develop a better way to do something or a more efficient way or or a quicker way or a cheaper way or whatever it may be. So a lot of your clients, uh, can they be split into larger companies that are launching little bits and pieces Mm -hmm. versus smaller boutique businesses or how is the split of your industry how does health look sure so health pr um if we were to describe our client base health pr is essentially um it deals with organizations that have any form of aspect with health so for example yes we do have a big portion of our work is with pharmaceutical and that size type of organization but we also do a lot of work with not-for-profits um i was the media liaison for the prostate cancer foundation of australia for many years and that was all about raising awareness of prostate cancer in the community but to your point there are a lot of health um, entrepreneurs and startups that we do help to um, to really get the messages out there and to get funding and just to raise a bit of awareness of the tech that they're trying to bring into the market. Um, as an example, through our work with a client, we came across an entrepreneur who's a veteran and suffered PTSD following his numerous tours in the Middle East. And he actually came up with smartwatch technology to help soldiers who are in the field who are in mental distress so really just to help reduce the the incidence of PTSD following their work so to hear someone using their own personal experience to then fund technology like that is absolutely incredible and um, that's certainly completely the other side of the spectrum of our work um, really helping these startups trying to get new tech into the market. So are, are you split then with project work which is three to six months and retainers or is health because there's so much messaging and storytelling and brand building and maintenance I guess of a brand is it more retainer clients we I do feel it is quite an even split with our agency we we are we do have a lot of projects so very definitive end-to-end work which makes our work so exciting as well because it just brings a whole raft of different ideas and initiatives constantly churning in our in our organization but in the same respect we also act as sort of pseudo arms to internal media teams for bigger organizations and that often is retainer work so we are often briefed to assist with proactive and reactive media activity so for example if we were to represent a not-for-profit organization we would be on hand to help with incoming media calls for specific issues or um, if there's new research that's come from overseas that they want an Australian perspective on, we essentially help with that type of activity. So it is it is pretty much an even split for us. And you touched on this um, earlier. How has COVID affected the health sector? I mean, understandably, there is so much more attention uh, and interest 
on everyone's personal health as well as the health of, you know, um, family and, and how that then affects businesses and all those kind of things. So it's so far reaching. So I imagine it's a generalization to say that it's been a good thing for the health sector in terms of business for a PR agency. Is that a fair assessment or? Yeah. And um, certainly um, speaking from our agency's perspective, we have very much been in demand this year because of COVID and because of the pandemic and I did have a bit of guilt in the earlier months that our agency was going so well when we were, it was very clear that other agencies and other organisations within the communications industry were not experiencing that at all. But we certainly had a very important role to play this year in assisting our clients with COVID messages. So, for example, we did um, some work with a task force that was essentially tasked to bring all experts together to analyze the latest research into COVID and to create live guidelines for clinicians to actually help treat COVID. So that was very on um, early on in the COVID pandemic. But in addition to that, we also have a lot of health service clients. So for example, aged care facilities and hospitals and clinics who have to get very important messages if someone was actually diagnosed with COVID and really trying to help with the communications to patients, to family and friends, to media, to the broader organisation. And that was essentially us really helping with the reactive aspects for our clients um, during the COVID month. So it has been pretty busy, but to be honest, for um, from my perspective, I actually think, I always try to see the positives in things and I often think that COVID has done a good job in actually bringing health more onto everyone's radar. I often feel that if you're not engrossed in health or medical industry in any particular aspect, you kind of gloss over what's sort of happening day to day. But I've seen some incredible news pieces where there's a lot of explainer content to really help people understand how viruses spread or people getting a better understanding about the clinical trials process to even get a vaccine to market. And the general public now is really opening their eyes going, oh, this is actually really interesting stuff. And for me, I think that's fantastic because health literacy is probably going through the roof at the moment where people are really engaged with this type of content. Mm. When it comes to the services that you offer and again, generalizing here, is media relations really at the core of what you do? And then there's, a, there's obviously additional services that you do far beyond that. But does that kind of suck up like 70% of what you would do for most clients? Or So traditionally, we were very media relations focused, but certainly now we haven't even spread across earned, owned, shared and paid. So earned being your editorial pieces, owned is all the content you create for your clients, whether it be videos, animations or whatnot. Shared is your social media, which is actually a very big portion of the work that we do now. And paid, of course, is all your paid promotions and advertising that goes along with your work. So a lot of our award-winning campaigns that we've run this year have a very multi-dimensional view to them. And essentially, that's certainly not something that's exclusive to the health PR space. Um, Essentially, all PRs are trying to take that approach. But we have certainly seen a shift from having quite a big focus on media relations going on to all these other areas because we're, we're noticing now that people are trying to take in information, especially health information, via social media and via their sort of online searches and whatnot. So we just need to make sure that our content and our social presence really does reflect that. In terms of the industry regulations, 
that mm-hmm. you have to be mindful of when you work in health PR. I mean, in hospitality, as a communicator, uh, there's not a lot that I have to be mindful of. Certainly the businesses do when it comes to RSA and responsible services and all those kind of things. As a communicator in health, are there certain things you can do and can't do in terms of what you can communicate? Absolutely. You need to be aware um, coming in, and, and we ensure that all of our consultants are trained and educated on the regulations because you can get yourself into a bit of trouble if you don't understand how to prepare content that's compliant. So from from our perspective, we have to be very ver- well-versed in the Medicines Australia Code of Conduct. So to cut a long story short, there are certain things we can and can't say when it comes to, for example, prescription medications or, or things that require a script from a doctor or a specialist. And for me, it was just wild to see in other markets like the UK and especially in the US where you go over there and you see magazines and these incredibly descriptive TV commercials about prescription medications and they go for about 10 minutes and they've got all the contraindications and side effects and they're talking about all these medicines by brand and that is just an absolute no-no here in Australia majority of the time. You do get windows where you can talk about brands, brand work. So part of my job now as a senior consultant is ensuring that all of my consultants are aware of these regulations so we can properly advise our clients on what type of activity we can engage with. And I often find that people think that the health industry is very sort of restricted on creativity because of these regulations, but I often find that it forces you to be even more creative because you have to work within these very, very clear guardrails. And is that on those, I guess, that that line of challenges, is that um, one of the major challenges you face in terms of being creative and also speaking to a consumer market? Because I can imagine only, you know, being a consumer myself that, some of the the topics or the brands that you're trying to communicate may be a little bit dry and um, the benefits of using that product may not be particularly glossy and amazing. So is that cut through to the consumer market one thing that kind of is at the focus of a lot of a lot of the work that you do? Um, absolutely. So when it comes to content, yes, when we do get briefs or information from our clients especially when it comes from scientific papers or whatnot it does take a bit of unpacking and trying to read through the lines to actually pull back and go oh okay this is the actual benefit for the everyday person so for us you can probably um, understand that we heavily rely on case studies in our work and I know a lot of other PRs tend to do that in their space as well but for us if we don't have a person that can share a personal experience on something then it is incredibly difficult to vocalize what those benefits are when we come to launch a particular medicine or a therapy or some new innovation that's happening in the health space. And we, we do have to tread carefully in that area because you, you do ask a lot of people. So we deal with um, people who are giving up their time to share their cancer experiences or even more recently mental health. There's a lot of people that are opening up about their depression and anxiety and you do have to treat those, those opportunities with the utmost respect because people are really opening themselves up but with a view to help others who may not be coping as well as what they are. So for us to really convert new and emerging health news to something that the everyday consumer is really going to take in, we do have to rely on that storytelling and the personal point of view. Is it hard to find case studies? 
No, not really. We we often find um, that people are so willing to talk about their personal experiences. I, I have done a lot in the mental health space, um, not only with launching new medicines or therapies into the space, but also working with the Black Dog Institute and really trying to raise awareness on how people can access resources and trying to create better understanding about links. Like, for example, exercise is a very big link to your mental health state. And um, that's probably the area that I like to tread quite carefully. Um, I A few years ago, I asked a lady to be part of a media story for me and she um, was coming down from a very bad depression period um, following the um, her daughter passed away. And I really had to brief her and just make her comfortable and say, look, we're only going to put you up for, for opportunities that are certainly within what you're comfortable with. And I was just blown away at how brave she was and was putting her hand up for everything because at the end of the day, she wanted to help others who were not coping. And um, when you're speaking to media about these, these opportunities, especially with mental health and you get all these incredible stories out there, you also have to be prepared that sometimes I get phone calls from the general public because they find my number on a media release, on a Google search, and they, they actually tell me their, their stories. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it's, that just really shows the full circle of our work and what we do. And there are a few tearjerker moments, but um, we really do sort of applaud anyone that puts their hand up to share their personal stories because it cannot be easy. And on the flip side of that, from your client's perspective, I imagine crises and issues management is at the forefront of a many if not all your compact all your campaigns do you do a lot of work on that when you have clients that join you whether it's for project or retainer work to work through how what are the potential pitfalls what are the potential um issues that can rise and how we're going to navigate our way through them crisis and issues management is certainly something we always have at the back of our minds and we are very good at scenario planning so when it comes to strategy development for any particular project because of the sensitive subject matter we just always help our clients go through the whole what if type of scenario just to make sure we're fully prepared Um, I don't feel that the health industry is any different to any other industry in that respect when it comes to crises and issues of course if something arises that has a very clear um, may have a clear negative impact on public health we of course have to really escalate things and and prioritize that work but as a as a recent example we did a lot of issues management for our clients during the co- the main COVID months because um, we had to get really sensitive COVID information out there if there were confirmed cases within health services and or any particular deaths and we were very lucky in that respect but um, we just had to be prepared for those moments. Mm. So tell me a little bit more about Palin. How many, is it just the one office in Sydney? Yes. Yeah. How many of you are in the office? Well, well I say office, I don't physically mean an office considering <laughs> we're in COVID time. How many with the company? Yeah, so we, um, Palin Communications has always been a boutique agency based out of Sydney. We have always floated around nine or 10 full-time consultants and we love staying at that size. And we have, we, we like to see ourselves as a bit of a flat structure agency so while we have people interns account executives all the way up to my level and our managing director martin palin we we do find a lot of opportunities for people to cross collaborate across levels and really ensuring that people understand that good ideas come from everywhere so really making sure that the junior consultants have full visibility of what i do and what all other senior consultants do so they're learning um 
every single day. So we have never pretended to play in any other space other than health PR. We were established 23 years ago in 1997 um, on the basis that there was really no other boutique health agency at the time. So we like to think our managing director is a bit of a pioneer in the space and we are continuing to do work in the health space while sort of other agencies have been popping up across the country, which is fantastic to see because there's certainly a need for specialised health communications. So um, when you joined Palin, it sounds like, um, especially 23 years ago, there wasn't a lot. But when you joined Palin, I imagine there wasn't a lot of other health specialist agencies at that time? Not as many, but... Um, Today, there are quite a few boutique agencies that are very similar size that are doing similar work to us. And there are also team dedicated teams within multinational agencies that have that specifically focus on health as well. So if you if this is certainly an area of interest, if you're coming into the PR industry, there are certainly opportunities for you to explore agency opportunities if you want that big multinational experience as well that there's also that opportunity there but also there's in-house roles as well there are so many organizations that have internal communications teams that need more hands on deck and if you were if you were looking to um, complete internships or have some work experience then certainly that's an opportunity as well when it comes to hiring staff at palin where do you put the balance between um appropriate skills and experience versus a person being a good cultural fit are they 50 50 does one have a little bit more weight than another i genuinely believe it's a pretty even split um so when it comes to skills we clearly look for um yes um university degrees and qualifications like that we we certainly look into that but if you have any form of real life experience in the communications industry, whether it is in-house or agency, we certainly look at that and try to see the value um, of what it can bring to our agency. So for example, if you have really good background in media relations, but not so much in social media, we're not going to discount you because we clearly have this 360 multi-dimensional approach to our work. So um, certainly real life experience from a whole range of areas within the communications industry is important but cultural fit is so important to us we've spent long and hard trying to protect the culture at Palin Communications and we like to hire people that really sort of suit our values that we speak to when it comes to leadership styles um, the way that we do client service um, the way we set goals not only for ourselves but for our clients we need to see clear alignments with that to really make sure that we think it's a good fit and I think and you've touched on this already in terms of an applicant standing out when they don't have health experience if you can show that you are experienced across all the different services or a number of the different services that are required it's not a major deal so if you've started your career and you've done five years in tech or fashion Mm -hmm. and you have decided now that health's the, the place for you you don't look at them as being any less qualified or relevant? Absolutely not. So I think it's a good reminder. I actually had zero health PR experience when I first started at Palin and a lot of our consultants that have sort of come and gone at the agency, for them just having a personal connection to health, so whether they had a relative or someone that was a healthcare care healthcare professional or an allied health professional, that was enough for them to make a decision to specialise in this area. So Certainly we don't discount people who don't have health experience, but we certainly try to look for people that have 
a genuine interest in the space. So if you are trying to pursue a career in health PR, you just have to really start taking in health news and really trying to show an interest in what's sort of out there. And that doesn't mean that if you're interested in Pilates or you're, you follow a really good diet, that's really not sort of what we're looking for. We are looking for people that sort of have their eye on and their finger on the pulse when it comes to emerging health news in Australia. And that is so relevant across any sector. It doesn't matter where you work, there needs to be a kind of, not a kind of, a, a, certain, a genuine connection and interest Absolutely. beyond something superficial. And that maybe it's a superficial um, that gets you into that industry. But I think if you want to stand yourself apart, whether you're going for internships or you're applying for full-time jobs, having and being able to display a, a genuine interest to a sector. And, you know, an example of that is um, by saying, oh, I read all the fashion magazines um, and I'm all across the fashion mm. trends. That's very superficial. But if you can say, I love journalist X and how um, and their view on the fashion trends or I really respect this particular media outlet or I love this podcast because they go through blah 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 blah. Mm -hmm. I think it's about identifying what really connects you to that industry and you may not have ever worked in it but as long as you can show there's a genuine connection to it I think that goes a really long way, doesn't it? I completely agree. And and certainly if you have a particular organization in mind that you want to explore, really showing an interest in, in their clients and the type of work that they're doing um, before you start speaking to them will certainly take you much further than, than not doing that. And even just paying attention, like you said, the particular journalists, we're so blessed to have a, a niche group of journalists within Australia that specialize in health and medical news and we, we love to engage with them and if you show early interest in in following those particular journalists then that is of such big value to our agency and will certainly put you above anyone else that really doesn't bother to go that far and you're not expected to have a relationship with them if, oh, you've, if you've never worked in it are you you know it's just about identifying who they are and understanding where their place is within the industry. Absolutely. It's just the, the general awareness that we're after. Mm. So if you take health as a sector out of it, when it comes to emerging PRs, what do you think graduates and those in their first early years of their career should really focus on in terms of building up their skill set? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I certainly think if any PR professional regardless of what specialty area that you're going for, you have to start really thinking as broadly as possible as early on in, in your career. So um, if I was to give any advice to people trying to emerge in the industry is try to get a bird's eye view of your projects and your clients early on in the piece. And I know it's hard sometimes, especially if you're working in multinationals and bigger organizations, the tiny tasks and pieces of the puzzle that you get are often quite small and you don't get visibility across a whole range of things but if you show an interest that you want to learn about strategy and want to learn more about sort of end-to-end -end type processes for projects that is certainly going to help you escalate and really elevate as a communications professional so really try to adopt that bird's eye view I think really also try to get comfortable with sharing your opinions as well I often find that younger consultants uh, sort of sit quite quietly and um, aren't as vocal or really don't um, participate in constructive feedback type of conversations with their teams too early on in the career because they don't want to ruffle feathers or any other reason. But me as a 
senior consultant, I want to be challenged every single day. I want someone that's younger than me to challenge me and pull me up and go, well, hey, Karina, how about this? Or have we thought about doing X, Y, Z? And I think getting early on in your career, getting comfortable with forming your opinions in a respectful manner will certainly um, elevate you even quicker. Everyone has different perspectives on stuff. And sometimes, Absolutely. not even sometimes, a lot of the time, that is hugely helpful to, even if it's from a different demographic, a different age demographic, different life experiences. So absolutely, I would I would agree with you 100% there. The two other things for me that I think are really important are attention to detail. Absolutely. And don't rush through things. Really focus on um, all the different elements of a of a project or a task and pay attention to those little bits and pieces. And secondly, try and be one step ahead, one step ahead of your manager, one step ahead of a journalist, one step ahead of your client. Try and think about what they may ask of you and do that in advance or address that in advance and say, you know, I don't know, let's say a client's going to say, well, where are you up to with this particular project? Already say, this is where I'm at with it. So mm-hmm. if you can try and um, remove those questions, it builds trust, it builds respect. And I think it's a really easy way to endear yourself to these kind of key stakeholders in your career. And I get that experience makes it a lot easier because you have got mm-hmm. an idea of what people may expect of you. But utilize your colleagues. Ask people, I'm going into a meeting what do you think they may be asking me about this project? What should I be prepared for? And I think that will put you in really good stead. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. And always always ask yourself what's next. And it certainly makes my life easy as a project lead. If, you're, if we've got junior consultants that are thinking in that manner, it just makes life so much easier. And you're also helping with your own career progression by doing that. It, you're preparing yourself in a roundabout way for that next step in your career. Um, probably one other quick tip that I do have for people coming up in the PR industry is you need to form an early habit to take in as much news as you can. And yes, we all have our phones absolutely super glued to our hands every waking moment. So yes, definitely social media and online news is very important, but try to pick up as many different things like TV news and newspapers and magazines and, and things like that. Because the more you engross yourself with news, the easier it gets for you to pitch, the easier for you to prepare pitches. It becomes easier for you to formulate media releases when you have to. And um, it just gives you a greater sense of when you actually have to start speaking to media and to develop content. And to understand how things are formed, you know, obviously how mm-hmm. you communicate a message via social media is very different to a media release where you might have a whole page or two pages Absolutely. to play with. And how someone, a journalist, writes about an issue for uh, an online news site is very different to a long form feature print article. Mm-hmm. They all may be writing about the same thing. So if you can ingest that in different ways, then it will like you said, help you when it comes to writing. Exactly. But it also gives you, I think, a better perspective on language and grammar, syntax, all those kind of things, you know, (laughs) like, and again, if you're reading social media or you're just picking stuff off a news app or you're just listening to your news off of a podcast that summarizes it every morning and you're absorbing that while you're on the bus, that's great to do. But Mm -hmm. when you actually can read things, you can learn new words. So your vocab vocab increases you see how people structure a sentence you think oh that's oh that's interesting I wouldn't have put the comma there but that's a reputable source that's a great way of you know maybe how I can create sentences a little bit more effectively or articulate things so 
the more sources you can absorb information from will absolutely put you in a better stead. Absolutely. And and I also think forming the habit of trying to read beyond your industry as well. Like, for example, I live and breathe health every single day, but I subscribe to EDMs like The Conversation, and it's, and it's an academic-based EDM. And yes, there is a health aspect to that, but there are some most incredible stories that are completely outside my expertise, like economics and finance and um, mining industries and all these things. And it's incredible to see how good ideas come from absolutely everywhere. And there has certainly been instances where I have read and really broadened my reading that um, it's certainly converted into ideas for my client work. Mm, Couldn't agree more with that one. Um, Thank you so much for sharing your experiences and time with us today. I think it's given a really excellent, especially for me who knows nothing about health. So I'm sure for other people, it's equally so. It's given a great perspective and understanding of how health works and the kind of clients you have and the kind of work you do for them. So thank you for your time today. Thank you for having me. And and I encourage anyone who is interested in health PR to obviously reach out to to me on LinkedIn or Paling Communications directly because more than happy to share our experience. Thank you. And if any of you listening have any other PR sectors you'd like to know more about, feel free to drop me an email via the website. Thanks for listening to the PR pod. For more expert tips on working in PR, head to www.theprpod.com.